Hi everyone, my name is Yosef Siegel, and welcome to this week's edition of the AMM Torah Podcast. This week continues what we've been talking about for the past several weeks, ever since the eighth day of Pesach fell out on Shabbos. Um, the people in Eretz Israel and the people in Chutzlaretz have been reading two different parshios, and we at AMM Torah have tried to accommodate that by putting out two different Divrei Torah every week, one for the Bnei Eretz Yisrael and one for the Bnei Chotzlaretz. So before you uh, listen to this Divrei Torah, make sure that you are on the right week for wherever it is that you are. If not, you should have another link in your email or on the website, uh, Facebook, iTunes, wherever it is that you are listening to this Divrei Torah. Um, so this week's Divrei Torah that you're listening to right now is for Parsha Shlach, and let's get right into it. So the famous story in Parsha Shlach is, of course, the Miraglim, uh, the tragedy of the Miraglim, the 12 spies who were sent out, um, each one representing each Shevet from the Bnei Israel, and they were sent out to scout out Eretz Israel. And the word scout is very key. Um, this was really just a formality. It was supposed to be a formality uh, for Bnei Israel to go and see what the land looked like and then come back and tell everybody you know, this is what it looks like, this, and, and really just say how great it's going to be and, 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 you know, how wonderful it was that Hashem had promised them this land. But instead what happens, the Miraglim come back with Lashon Hara. They come back with these negative reports, um, really taking the, the good of the land and warping it into something terrible, um, bringing stories of, of uh, giants, uh, strong fortified cities, um, and dangerous terrain. When in reality, if you look at Chazal, they explain how each one of these things that um, that the Miraglim were seeing was really supposed to be a bracha for Bnei Israel and, and show them how easy it would be for them to conquer it, um, even with all the nations that were there. But instead, they took it and they completely turned it on its head. They warped it. Um, and uh, they lacked faith in Hashem for whatever, whatever the reason was. Um, they... Uh, did not uh, have the faith in Hashem that everything would turn out okay in Eretz Yisrael. And they came back and they convinced the nation of this. Um, and because of this, um, the Bnei Yisrael were forced to spend a total of 40 years in the desert, uh, one year for each day that the Miraglin traveled the land. And in addition, all of the adults who were alive at the time of the Miraglim, uh, they all died in the desert. They did not make it to Eretz Yisrael. All that is except for two men that the Torah tells us about. If, if you look through history, it's a few more. But the ones that the Torah tells us about are two of the Miraglim, Yoshua and Kalev. Yoshua and Kalev, they're well known to us. Uh, Kalev was one of the greatest men of his generation. He actually uh, married Miriam, Moshe's sister. Um, and uh, you see in, in Navi, you see that uh, once they got into Eretz Israel, Kalev's leadership was uh, integral to the success of the nation. And then, of course, there's Yoshua, who was Moshe's Talmud Mavuk, his, his star Talmud, and uh, the actual leader of the nation, Moshe's successor after his death. And the interesting thing about it was that uh, the Torah puts the Miraglim, when it lists the Miraglim, it puts them in order of uh, greatness. And Kalev and Yeshua weren't even the greatest. Kalev was number three, I believe, and Yeshua, I think, was number six or number seven. So these were great men, but, you know, it's scary to think about. These weren't even the greatest of the Miraglim, and, and we see how even such great people were susceptible to sinning in such a horrible way. 
But Caliph and Yeshua, out of all the spies, were willing to stand up and say the truth, that Eretz Yisrael was exactly as wonderful as Hashem had told them through Moshe. And because of that, uh, because of their faith in Hashem and their willingness to stand up for the truth, uh, they were rewarded uh, with entry into Eretz Yisrael uh, at the end of the 40 years. Now, the Psukim described the spies' journey through Eretz Yisrael, and there's an interesting language choice in one of the Psukim here. This is Parag Yud Gimel, Pasuk Chav Beis. I'm just going to read the first half of the Pasuk. Uh, and every part of this Pasuk is important, so uh, every part that I'm going to quote is important, so please pay attention. So they, meaning the Miraglim, went up through the south, and they came, and he came to Chavron. There were Achiman, Sheshai, and Salmai, who were the children of the giants. So what's the interesting language over here? So I actually made a mistake on it. If you were listening closely, I actually made a mistake on the language. The Pasuk starts off, they went up through the south. But then immediately it says, it changes from the plural to the singular, he came to Hebron. So what happened when they got to Hebron that only one of them was around? So Rashi brings the classic explanation by Chazal that he is referring to Kalev and he traveled to Hebron alone. That as soon as the Bnei Israel got, in, as soon as excuse me, as soon as the Miraglim got into Eretz Israel, they already began planning how they were going to lie, how they were going to fool the nation. And as with every peer group, but especially this one, when it's comprised of the greatest people of the generation, there was a tremendous amount of pressure to go along with their scheme. So Kalev made an effort. He left the group. He went to Hebron specifically to Davin uh, by the Maras Machpela to our Avos and our Amos for the strength to stand up against this mob and tell the truth. And for this effort, because he had such an ownership of the situation, um, when they divided up Eretz Yisrael, Hashem promised him that he would get Hebron in his portion, his personal portion, and that is what happened. He eventually uh, inherited the city of Hebron. And that's why uh, it's Vayavo at Hebron, because really he was the only one who was there. Now, Rav Hirsch has a problem with this explanation. Let's go a little further in the Pesukim to Pasuk Chafches. So at this point, we're in the middle of the Miraglim telling over the lies to the Bnei Israel. And this is Pasuk Chafches. And they're already in the middle of the, um, of the, uh, of the, of the explanation of their story. The people who live in the land are very mighty. And their cities are very fortified. And this is the key part of the Pasuk. We even saw the children of giants. So you can see that what they're trying to do is they're trying to intimidate the Israel by saying, we saw giants, we saw giants. Now let's go back to our Pasuk of Beis. What did it say? It said, He came to Hebron. That's where the giants were. The giants were in Hebron. So let me ask you a question, says Rav Hirsch. If you're telling me that no one else went to Hebron except for Kalev, how can they say that they saw the giants? Where else would they see the giants? Therefore, Rav Hirsch says a slightly different explanation than what we've been saying. He says, really, all the spies came into Eretz Israel with pure hearts and minds. They were ready to go and see Eretz Israel and then go straight back, tell the Bnei Israel how great it was, and, and everyone would come into Eretz Israel right away. And therefore, the Pasuk says, Vayavo, in singular, to demonstrate 
that they were all of pure intentions, that they all had one mind on the subject, that they went through the south and they got to Hebron, all with the uh, intention that this was that they were all joined in their intention, they were all on the same team, that everything was going to be fine, and uh, they couldn't wait to uh, to bring everyone into Eretz Israel. But then they got to Hebron. Vayavo ad Hebron. That when they got to Hebron, that Vayavo stopped. And what happened? Vasham Achiman They saw the giants there, and now everything changed. The doubts and and the fear that we talked about, they started taking over their minds. And then everything else that they saw as they went further on in their journey f- was warped and was made worse as they went on. And they, at that point, they began to plan how they would tell this news to the nation so that they could switch it and they would never come in, er, into Eretz Israel. So they're in Hebron and they see the giants and, and Kalev notices this shift in mentality. So what does he do? He goes straight to the Maras Machpela, to the uh, to Davin to the Avos, that he should be strong against their influence, and it was because of this action and his strong commitment to Hashem, and to the Mesorah of the Bnei Yisrael, that Kaliv received Chevron as part of his personal portion. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. For any questions, comments, or to subscribe to the email newsletter, please email me at amemtorah at gmail.com. That's A-I-M-E-M-T-O-R-A-H at gmail.com. The email newsletter will give you updates for Amem Torah, as well as the written version of the Dvar Torah in your inbox, along with an MP3 download of this podcast. The podcast is also available on iTunes. Just search for the Amem Torah podcast or my name, Yosef Siegel. Please check out the blog itself, oldideasforthemodernmind.blogspot.com, where you can get the written version of this week's Dvar Torah, as well as the archived versions of the previous eight years of Amem Torah Divrei Torah. Please check out my website, hashkofahandbook.com, where this podcast is hosted, and learn more about my book, Reality Check, A Handbook of Hashkafa. And finally, please check us out on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash and on Twitter. Twitter handle at Amemtora. That's A-I-M-E-M-T-O-R-A-H. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and have a great job.